My name is Kevin. If you're new to the congregation, I've got the wonderful privilege to, to lead the team that um, leads this congregation. And um, I was speaking to John, one of our elders that led the meeting. And we spoke yesterday and we said, let's flip things around a bit. Let's, let's start with worship, announcements of worship. Let's just do a little bit of announcements, go into the sermon, and then we go into worship, thinking that we're on the edge, you know? We, we <laughs> not, we're not stuck in a mold because we don't want to be stuck in a mold. And we get here and it's 9.31. And he's like, oh, I'm feeling this. So, okay, cool, let's go there. <laughs> We're going to flip the flip. <laughs> and we're just going to do whatever the Lord wants to do. It's his church. And we want to be spirit-led. We don't want to fall into a structure that's timed and 9.31 we do this and 9.37 we do that and 9.42 and 43 seconds we do this. There's churches that live by that. We don't want to live by that. We want to live by the Spirit of God and He's leading. And sometimes that's going to be a mess and all over the show. That's okay. Because we're not here to sit in the chairs and do church. We're here to encounter Him. And sometimes He's in the worship. We can have announcements at the end. I think we've done it like once in two years. <laughs> but there's something of God that we just want to follow where He's going. It is his church. Amen. And um, I want to speak about the church this morning. And um, I wanted to unpack something and lay it. I've, I've got the, let me open this thing. I've got some, let's see if this is going to work. There we go. Ah. And um, I want to speak about the church today. And, and I wanted to lay a foundation and unpack certain things. But I'm not sure that's necessarily what's going to happen. I think I'm just going to cover some broad strokes and try and find what God is saying through this message through us. And so, um, yeah, I want to speak about that, the church. There's, there's something beautiful about the church. And um, I think over centuries we've messed it up to some degree. Um, people have messed it up. Leaders have messed it up. And I do believe in this day and age, God is coming back to restore something of His design for the church. And that's what we're aiming for, is His design. So, I'm going to tell a quick story. There's this, um, the Yellowstone Forest, and in a book, Ambiquity by Mark Buchanan. It tells a story about this renowned national park that was just an immense forest of elf, aspen wood and pine, and there was creatures, grizzly bears and bears and, and deer and, and birds. And it was just thousands upon thousands of creatures and trees and living things. And um, up to 1988, this, um, this forest, this national park, has experienced several hundred fires that has just wreaked havoc in that, in that place. Um, and it was largely due to lightning sparks. But every time there's a fire, it just wreaks havoc there. And it just, people felt it destroyed something special. So um, at one stage, there was a large blaze that destroyed 25,000 acres of the forest. So in June 1988, a lightning spark started a small fire. And it resulted in a blaze that lasted for two months. I mean, we've had fires here on the mountains. 
and it's a week, and it's like we're starting to panic, and it gets near homes, and this was two months of trying to put out this fire. 1.5 million acres of the forest and $120 million were consumed trying to resolve this. 147 aircraft were used. Um, it was just, it was chaos. 10,000 firefighters were involved to try and get this fire cleared. $120 million in 1988, that's like, that's a lot of money. A lot of money to try and sort this out. So this was a huge disaster. And when, once they got it bla- uh, covered out, cover cleared, and they did some investigation to find out what was the problem here. And in their investigation, they found that in 1980, a call was made that they're going to try their very best to put out any fire, no matter how small, and make sure that there will be no fire in the forest. So they had people in place to make sure there's no fire. And if there's a little spark, they're on it immediately to make sure there's no, no, no danger. And what happened was they, they call it the zero tolerance attitude. Whether big or small, natural cause or not, they're going to put it out. And what they found is there was an unintended consequence that actually made the forest weak and vulnerable to fire. So the natural part of a fire finding strength and growing is fire. And in actually trying to avoid something, they cause the unintentional consequence. A fire is an uh, uh, indispensable component of a natural dynamic and design that keeps forests in their natural state. But part of the design, part of the natural design, the fire helps to keep a forest in its critical state. And because there was no fire the, the, um, for those almost a decade, the forest started to age and there was a lot of leaves and branches and dry wood that caused the perfect storm in some sense for fire to take place. If you mess with the design, even a little, there will be consequences. And sometimes there's not any consequences that you intended. And the same is with the church. If we mess with the design, there will be consequences. And some of them will be unintended consequences. And in a day of testing, when the fire comes, a lot will actually burn up. And there will be very few things left because we messed with the design. And God is the one in charge of this design. It is. He's is the church. He's church. And we don't need to mess with it. We need to find his design. Let me use examples about the church. So I want to speak about what's a church and getting back to the original plan and identify where we've messed with it. A good example is online church. Online church. To a large extent, a lot of churches did it. And then in COVID, we needed to make some plans. But an unintended consequence of that is we become vulnerable and weak when it comes to what real church is supposed to be. And we sit in the comfort of a home, and what that has caused is church will fit into my life as opposed to I'm following Jesus, and I give expression to that relationship within the body. So I sit and watch church. I was thinking the other day, what do you call evangelists doing online church? A screensaver. 
<laughs> I like dad jokes and I felt like I, I created one of my own there. It was like a... <laughs> so online church has made us lazy Christians saying that I can spectate. I can spectate. Church was not created for us to spectate and watch. A church is a place where we as believers of Christ and, and followers of Christ, we come and we give ourselves. We lay our life down and we participate in what God is doing and we give of ourselves so that others might be blessed. Church is not something we look and watch. I don't go to my, tell my wife, let's go out for dinner and then put a screen there at the restaurant. And so let's engage on the screen, you know? It's like, I'll just watch you as you carry on your day. There's, there's something different where we're together and it's intimate. I can't contribute and be a blessing to others while I sit and watch the screen in my pajamas. Another thing where people have said, you are the church. So wherever you go, that's is where the church goes. Not entirely true. This is the church. It's a gathering of believers. I'm not the church. Jesus is within me. The church isn't within me. Church is the gathering of believers. So I'm not the church. And what that has caused is you've got the idea that I can sit in my home with my wife and my children, and we are the church. I'm going to read later on that it says the church is the body of Christ containing many members. One is a nose, the one is a finger, the one is... And in here, we've got many members. In my house with my wife and my children, there's maybe a nose and a kidney. But that's not a body. That's not a body. It's when we're together like this, there's a many-membered body. And I miss something by sitting there in my home with my kidney and my nose. We need to gather like this because that's the way that God has designed it and intended it. If it's God's design, then He needs to define. If it's God's design, then He needs to define it. And so there's a lot of this. Churches that you drive into the driveway of the church and it's just banners upon banners with a pastor's face on it. And maybe the intention was there to get good teaching, to strengthen the people, the saints and the members of the church. And so, but the problem is they've elevated man. And the unintended consequence is maybe it was a good intention. I want to be a blessing to the people of God. God has given me a word. And then people sit and they get fatigued because they're not participating. They're watching. And that's not the way that God has designed it to be. It's not about the pastor. The thing I loved about the worship, there was a lot of people participating. That's the way church should be. A local church has leadership, but it's not about the leadership. The local leadership plays a certain role and a specific role to take the church forward, but it, it's not about the leaders. It's not about the leaders. There's this statement, families that gather, or families that gather gather for fundamentally different reasons than an audience. An audience comes to, spectate, uh, comes to spectate. Family gathers to partake. And that's one of the big differences between a church where you just sit and attend and the church that he is building. 
So let's quickly look at what is the church. It's, church is a big deal for Jesus. He said, when Peter had the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, he said, on this revelation, Peter, you are the rock, and on this, the rock, is revelation. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. He is busy building his church. It's his design. It's his plan for the world. He wants to save people. And then the Bible says, then once you save, once you become a new creation, a son of the living God, he adds you to his body. He adds you to his body. He puts you and makes you part. And once you're in the body, you're part of the vehicle that will take his gospel and his kingdom to the ends of the earth. That's why the church is so beautiful. It's his vehicle to the world. It's his body. It's him to the world. Ephesians 3. Although I'm less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, through what? The church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities and in the heavenly realms. Through the church, he wants to make known his manifold wisdom. There's something that God wants to make known through the church. But it's not the church that sits and watch one guy burn. It's not the church that sits at home watching a screen. It's a church that come together because they love Jesus. It's a church that comes together to give, to participate, to share in what God is wanting to do. It's a church that lives beyond these walls because the church is not the building. The church is the people of God coming together and live beyond this to be a blessing to others. And through that, he makes known his manifold wisdom to the world. The Greek word, do I have it here? Yeah. The Greek word, for church is ecclesia. Ecclesia is the Greek word. It is the gathering. That's the meaning of the, the word ecclesia. The Greek word, when it speaks about church, it uses ecclesia. It's the gathering of those who've been summoned. The gathering of those who've been called out. That is the church. When the original writer wrote about the church, that was what they had in mind. It's the gathering, the coming together. You can't come together and gather on a screen or at home. You gather like this. The people of God coming together. Called out, called out of darkness for His purposes. I quickly want to look at a couple of pictures of the church just to illustrate the thing that the church is not something I can do on my own or at home. The church is something where I gather with other believers. If you look at the various pictures of the church, you have the household in 1 Timothy 3, verse 14 to 15. It speaks about a household. Then in 1 Peter 2, it speaks about a priesthood. In 1 Peter 5, it speaks about the flock of God. Um, Ephesians 5, it speaks about the temple of God. And Ephesians 5, 22, it speaks about the bride. And there's one that I didn't copy and paste when I did the PowerPoint. But there's the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12. All of those pictures, apart from the bride, has this concept of gathering. Isn't that true? A household gathers. A priesthood, more than one, gathers. A flock gathers. A temple of God 
I'm quickly want to read that passage of scripture. I don't have it in the PowerPoint. I'm just going to read that quickly. It speaks about the temple of God being built together to become a dwelling place for God. It's built together. Once again, the picture of it's built in together. So there's a togetherness when we speak about the church. There's a togetherness. Second thing I want to highlight about the church is there's a participation. There's a participation. There's a togetherness and then there's a participation. And without that, it's not God's design for the church. Let's read through 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member but many. If the foot say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has composed the body, giving great honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping administration and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And then it goes on to speak about love. Many parts the body. Not all are going to be the same. We each have a role to play in the body. I met with a couple in the week and they shared with me they realized there's something that's missing in the life of this congregation. And as they were sharing, I'm like, they were passionate about this. Like, here's a gap, here's a void. We are missing something as a church. And they said, we would love to get involved to sort that out. I'm like, yes, that's it. That's the church. I can't be everything. I've got a certain role to play. I'm a toe. Eh? A pinky toe. <laughs> Not the big toe. <laughs> Someone else, you, you the eyes, you may be seeing something specific that I'm not. Bring that. Because as you bringing that, the body is built up. And it's a blessing. And each one of you sitting here, and you've got something to bring. Something to add. I want to tell you this. 
God adds us to a local expression. There's his body, which is the global body of Christ. But that global body has a local expression. And we're part of that local expression. And this local expression reveals something of the manifold wisdom of God in this area and to the ends of the earth. So each one of us, as a believer of Christ, as someone that has been redeemed and restored by Christ, a new creation, you have to be added in somewhere. You have to be added in somewhere. You've been built in, part of God's temple. And if it's not here, then you've got to ask, Lord, where should I be built in? And when God builds you in, there you contribute. There you bring what you have. Because as you bring, that's how God reveals His manifold wisdom. Each of you have something to give. I want to tell you the story. Zaldi um, was about eight or nine. Um, her parents went through a divorce. And shortly after that, her father took his life. And here's a family, um, nine-year-old, seven-year-old, somewhere there. <laughs> um, so she was a little child. She had an older sister and her mother. They just lost their father. Shortly before that, a couple of years before that, they, her parents went through divorce. So they're going through some turmoil. And the Zaldi shared once in the congregation and the Mother's Day event, she shared how in that moment where they were in great need, they, they, they were struggling. Her mom was struggling because her mom had to process a lot. So her mom was going through depression in that time. You know what was a massive blessing to them and what carried them through? It was the church they were part of. People came to pick them up at school and take them home. Her mother was trying to do her, her work, trying to cope with life, wasn't necessarily that moment available for them to help them get them through school. People in the church came to help them study. As Aldi said, if it wasn't for people in the church, her sister probably wouldn't have made that grade that year. People came alongside to help them. People took meals to them. People came and just loved on them, did washing and just helped. The church was active. It wasn't just the leaders. The leaders came, drove two hours to come and pray for them, help them out. But it wasn't just the leaders in the church, as I hear a story. It was a lot of people, a lot of members in the church that carried them through in that time. As we are sitting here, we're not here just to fill a seat. We're here to be those people to someone else that comes here. We have to be those that do our part, and maybe that's helping someone get through a grave. Maybe it's taking that meal. Maybe it's just praying and crying with that person because that's what they need. But we need to be able to participate and look for opportunities to be a blessing. In Hebrews it says, do not neglect the gathering of the saints. But just before that, because we always, it's an easy scripture to hammer attendance. Do not neglect the gathering of the saints. You need to get 100% attendance if you want to be a devoted Christian. That's not what the scripture says. That's not a heart. I'm not expecting 100% attendance. Devotion is not that. Devotion is I'm in love with Jesus in me. I'm in love and I want to I wanna participate in his body. Some Sundays I'll be in Ezefontaine. But if I'm not there, I'm here. Because devotion says, if I could, I would. If I can, I will be there. 
It's not always the case. It's not always possible. So that scripture is not 100% offensive. But just before that, it says, while it's called today, encourage one another. And do not neglect the gathering of the saints. Actually, if, if you neglect it, you miss an opportunity where you can be an encouragement to someone else. It's not just about the attendance. It's actually about being a blessing to someone else when you do gather. So that's why we don't want to neglect. Because there's something about the gathering of God's people, but there's also something about contributing. Rizaldi then went to Bible school, and there was a lot of brokenness because of the stuff she went through. And then there was a family at that stage that weren't on leadership. They opened up their home and took her in on weekends and just loved on her, helped her through various things. And if it wasn't for that family, we probably wouldn't have been married. <laughs> and she wouldn't have experienced a lot of freedom and breakthrough. So thank God for that family. <laughs> but she wouldn't have walked in the measure of freedom that she's walking in today. A family made themselves av- available. They brought their part, and the body was built up. And now Lizaldi can bring her part, and the body is built up. Then we came here, and there was a couple, Russell and Jenny. They just opened up their lives, their time, to be a blessing. And that helped her to find greater freedom. If we look back on our lives, we can't boast in anything. Of ourselves, but we can boast in the saving power of Jesus Christ and the people of God who were willing to lay down their lives. And that's why we are where we are today, because of the grace of God and because of the people of God. And I want to encourage you, be one of those that give their life and lay down their life so that others will flourish. Do not neglect the gathering of the saints so that you can be a blessing to someone else. How do we contribute? We contribute with our time, our talents, and our treasures. Our time, our talents, and our treasures. So when you hear, and we encourage you to contribute, what talents, what gifts have God given you? Bring that. What treasures has God given you? Your finances, bring that. Not so that we can get money, but you give your finances so that the church can be built up. And others can be blessed. Your time, your devotion, bring that. Bring that. So the church gathers. The church, God's design is a church that's together. God's design is a church where people contribute. And I want to end with these two thoughts. The book of Hebrews says that when the church come together to worship, it says that you haven't come to a physical mountain, but you've come to Mount Zion. And as you came to Mount Zion to worship, you come to the living God and thousands upon thousands of angels in joyous festivity, worshiping God. And the picture of the church is not just people that come here at the building together. There's something quite eternal about a church of God coming together. There's something quite holy about the church of God coming together. It says when we come together, we come to living angels, worshiping the living God. When we come together, there's something of the very presence of God here as we come together. And so I experienced something of the presence of God in worship here this morning that I probably wouldn't have experienced alone at home. 
I do experience God in my own devotional time, in my own time with Him. But there's something different about the presence of God when we're together. Those of you that went back to church after lockdown, wasn't there something different when you gathered with a couple of hundred people and you just worshipped them? And suddenly it was like, whoa. <laughs> There's something about the presence of God when these people come together. Think about all the big moves of God. It happened when people came together. In the book of Acts, through church history, when people come together, there's something of the presence of God. So God's design is a church where people gather, where people contribute, and where His presence is, because that's His intent for us to come together to taste something of His presence. I'm not sure what your view of church is and how you see it, but this one thing I know is that He's got to define it, not us. My experience doesn't define how I should, our church should be. My preference doesn't define how our church should be. The people of God in the Old Testament were called Israel. The word Israel, the name Israel means God has prevailed. God has won. It started where Jacob, he had this encounter with the living God. And I'm just running through the story for the sake of time. He has this encounter with God. And in that encounter, God touches him and changes the way he walks. And he named him by a new name, Israel. God has prevailed. And from that day, that Jacob walked with a limb because it showed that he was touched by God and God won. God prevailed. And he had a new identity and the nation of Israel was birthed. Now in the New Testament, there's a people of God called his church. And we now are the people that Jesus has saved, but not just only saved, but also prevailed over. Also people that God has conquered. So as a people of God, we need to be a people where God has conquered us, where God prevails. And I want to ask you this morning, as we wrap up the sermon, as you're sitting here, have you allowed God to prevail over your life? Have you allowed God to prevail over your thoughts? Have you allowed God to prevail over your ideas and ideologies? Because we are firstly His. We are His. We are His workmanship. And so therefore, it's His design He needs to define. When we gather, we are His church. His design He needs to define. And so has God prevailed over your life? When it comes to your view of the church, when it comes to your view of serving Him, has God prevailed? And that's where I want to land this morning, with that question. Has God prevailed over your life? You see, you might have a view of church or how things should be done, and it might be a good view. But sometimes in that good view and good approach, you know, it's like our lives are busy. We've got to do this, we've got to do this. We can't fit church into our lives. It's sometimes very tricky, so I'll do it this way. By doing that, there could be unintended consequences. And you can leave your life in a vulnerable state. That's why we want to bow our knee to the head of the church so that he will define. I once heard this story about a, a little book. I think it's screw tape letters, C.S. Lewis. Is that correct? It's about this book about demons speaking about one, with one another about the church and about a, a believer. 
And um, in one stage, they speak, and they said, all we need to do is get the people isolated. Because if they're isolated, they're vulnerable, and we can target them. Make sure you don't isolate yourself. Allow God to add you, to build you in, into a local expression. Because in doing so, you experience the benefit of the togetherness of the saints. You experience the benefit of His presence. And you experience the benefit of you growing and blessing others. Amen? So can we quickly close our eyes? Lord, we thank you that you are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail, Lord. God, there's so many ideas, so many ideologies. We know you're not building a, a preaching church, a preaching center. We know you're not building a soccer church or a biker's church or a worship church. You're not doing that. You are building a church that will reflect you to the ends of the earth. And we want to be in step with you, with what you are building. Jesus, you know best. You are the head and we declare that you are the head of this church. You're the head of our lives, Lord Jesus. You are the Lord, not only Savior, but you're also the Lord of our lives. And therefore, we want to bow our knees. As we started off here, God, holy ground, John was on his knees. God, that's the posture we want to take right now. And we want to bow our knees to you, saying that you are the head. You're our Lord. So would you come and define how we should live our lives? Would you come and define, God, how you see us being part of this local expression? Because we want to follow your way. We want you to prevail over every area of our lives. And just now in this moment, if there's maybe an area in your life that you know God is not Lord over, that God has not prevailed over, don't you just in this moment respond to him and say, God, forgive me. There's an area where you're not Lord, where you don't have a say, where I make the decision. God, in that area of my life, I repent right now. I give that up, Lord. Come and have your way. You lead. You have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name.